And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Go to theathletic.com slash down to dunk. Get the Athletic for $3.99 a month. There's so many good things on the Athletic right now. You got to go check it out. With me, as always, on Wednesday is my good friend Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? What's up, Andrew? Oh, man, just uh, just just living the high life here on this uh, big-time losing streak. Big time. It's a big one. <laughs> Are we going to set the record, Andrew? The I'll, franchise record? I'll say no. I'll say it won't happen. Okay. I think, though. Could you remind me what it is? 14. 14 is the record. And we're at 11? Mm-hmm. That uh, seems pretty close, Andrew, and you seem pretty confident that we're not going to hit it. It won't happen. There's no chance. They're winning tonight in Indiana. That's what's going to happen. Really? Yep. Really? <laughs> yep. No Domas. They'll, uh, they're going to win tonight. It's going to happen. I just believe in it. Actually, let's let's it's check. a battle of the guys who uh, can't finish at the rim because Malcolm Brogdon is leading the league in guards who can't finish in the at the rim. <laughs> right. I don't so think. I, I wonder if we'll get Dort tonight. I don't think we will. He's questionable tonight. Questionable. Um, so, Domas, Miles Turner, obviously T.J. Warren is out. He's been out. Uh, Goja Batadze questionable. Jeremy Lamb, Jeremy Lamb, questionable. Doug McDermott, questionable. Uh, but the Thunder are definitely have uh, Gabriel Deck, who I think will play his first game on the 29th, would be my guess. 29th. Against the he's, New Orleans he's Pelicans. He's here? I think he travels here today from, from stuff that I've seen on the internet, but... Can neither confirm nor deny the truth of that. So I think he does travel today, and then he should quarantine for a week and then be ready to play in OKC in front of tens of people. Man, that's exciting. I I completely forgot about Gabriel Deck in seven days. It's great. I had forgotten about him until you just brought him up, and now I'm excited again because I'll be honest, these games, they're getting a little tough to watch, Andrew. Hey, you just inject... um, a new player it's great fun it's great fun it, it will be great fun that is exciting wow yeah so do you think he'll come in and play the backup four minutes to start <laughs> i guess i don't know i guess <laughs> doesn't, i mean it doesn't matter but start him start him at point guard who cares um i don't know i don't know what they'll do with him i'm intrigued to see but he'll play he will certainly play and he doesn't have many games to play this season, so they will make sure that they get uh, their money's worth 
of him. Actually, they, they could, there's nothing they could do to get their money's worth, in fact, on that deal. Um, but uh, you have Shea out, clearly. I Man, I would... I, I have no information on this, but I would be shocked if we saw Shea again this season. Um, and then Josh Hall's out, Mike Mascal is out, and Isaiah Roby is also out. Which is, Isaiah Roby being out is actually kind of a big deal because to me, he's like one of the only like real quality bigs that we have. Uh, and he is like fringing on quality big, but I think he's one of the only quality bigs we have. And with him out, uh, it's it could be really rough. Yeah, he, he does allow them to do a different look. Yeah. Because when it's just Moses or Tony Bradley, I mean, it's kind of... They're, they're different players, but it's kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas Roby is definitely a different look than those two. Mm-hmm. And it can be fun. Some small ball thunder. Yeah. Yeah, it could be fun. Uh, Daniel has a quick question. He wants to know what kind of cars yeah. what kind of cars we drive. He says what that kind of he says that Alex looks looks like a saloon type driver. What does that mean? What does that even mean? I don't know. And then he says a Andrew, saloon type driver. He says Andrew probably drives a Porsche or something similar. What? <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be great. My grandma used to have a Porsche. No, I drive a truck, Ford F one fifty. Yeah, I can't. It's it's pretty shocking. You became a truck guy. I would have not have guessed in high school that you would become a truck guy because in high school, mm-hmm. Andrew's car was a red Camaro. Yeah. With a Auga horn. This is true. I my dad and I installed an Auga horn onto my Auga. <laughs> man, uh, no one else gets this reference but you and me, and maybe like five people that listen to this. But I scared the crap out of Tyler Ferguson with that Auga horn so many times. Deserved. Hey, there's a down to dunk listener named Tyler Ferguson mm. because uh, they messaged me. Um, I my first car was my favorite car which my dad got super cheap from this woman who had, she was the only owner of it. Mm-hmm. And it was a 1988 Mercedes 190E, like the base model Mercedes that were built like a tank. It was a cool car. And it yeah. was white with red leather interior. It had a car phone, like a legit car phone in yep. the center console yep. and a sunroof. And I put a sub in it because back then you had to have a subwoofer. You had to. I had and one, that car yeah. was, that car was so thick that I put it in the trunk and you like couldn't hear the bass. <laughs> so for the entire life of that car, there was a subwoofer sitting on the one of the back seats. Yep. So I only ha- could have three people in my car because one of the seats was taken up by a subwoofer. Yep. And then I had a Honda Element, which was my one of uh, another great car yep. that was destroyed in a hailstorm, Oklahoma's hailstorm. And now I have a boring Prius, yep. and it's not nearly as exciting. Yeah. That's so, yeah. not quite as But exciting. I'd love to hear what a saloon driver is. Yeah, please <laughs> tell us. Sedan is what it means. Michael oh, Anderson. Sedan driver. Yeah, yeah, I guess a Prius is a sedan. <laughs> you got me. You got me. <laughs> you got God. Uh, so let's go into our Reddit mailbag, Alex. We asked for questions on the Thunder subreddit. And boy, did they deliver. Uh, we have 71 comments on this post, wow. and I don't think it's possible to get through all of them in an hour-long show, but boy, are we going to try, and there will be some questions we don't answer, and maybe we'll answer some of them just very quickly. How about that? Great. Not all of them deserve a really long answer. One-word answer. Okay. Yeah, one-word answer. I'll <laughs> let you know if it's a one-word answer. Uh, okay, so this is from at in. 
Durura 7. Mm. It's obviously how you pronounce it. Uh, which current or former NBA coach do you think Mark Degnault's coaching style mirrors? This was probably the question I thought about the most, um, which I probably shouldn't have because it's, it's very hard to compare coaches. Yeah. Especially, we, we don't have a ton of data for Degnault. But it's been interesting that when Degnault was a first was first announced and they, we were reading stories about, you know, what is this guy bringing? Everything was about how this guy is defense first. And if you look back at the blue when he was coaching, they were top 10 in defense every single year of those five years. Interestingly, they were only top 10 in offense one of those five years. Mm-hmm. And that has kind of played out. Like, for whatever re- I mean, we've been focusing more on the offense this season, which I think yeah. is a, a result of the offense looking so much different from what we're used to, even oh, though yeah. it is still a terrible offense. <laughs> like Even when Shea was healthy, this was a bottom five offense. But mm-hmm. it looks good. You can like see the promise of this offense. And I think that was true last year as well, but we kind of chalked it up to, well, that's Chris Paul. Like Chris Paul is running nice. the offense his way. Yep. Whereas this feels more like a system that Dagnall is putting in place. So we focused on the offense a lot. But really, the thing that has been most successful this year has been the defense. So it has been true that Dagnall is a defense-first coach, even though I had kind of forgotten about it. But it is, it is true. So that is, that is one thing we can say about him. So, so I'm trying to like give you some characteristics about Dagnall so we can try to figure out who he lines up with. I would say, based on what we know so far, he's a player's coach. Wouldn't you say that? Sure. I mean, even the fact that like Bradley Beal is is making an Instagram post about Coach Degnall, like how how happy he is for him. It just seems He's, like his players like him. Yes, players, pe- players, and just people in general like him. Yeah. And so you put all those things together, like, uh, you know, in terms of the offense, like a lot of threes, shooting lots more threes of threes than Thunder yeah. ever have. Uh, a lot of movement, a lot of passing. Especially mm-hmm. compared to like the first decade of Thunder basketball, good defense, mm-hmm. yeah, and his players like him. All right, so those are our characteristics. <laughs> Who does that sound like other than Daniel? It's a tough comp because he's he's not Pop, right? He's not. Maybe Pop in the early Spurs days was more. Was yeah, it? but I just players don't know. do love players do love him even though he's gruff with the media because he's Degnall's not gruff with the media he's wonderful he's yeah, spectacular he's nice. um, I hate the Brad Stevens comparison because it's just white guys that shave their face you know that is true that's what they're known for <laughs> shaving their face <laughs> you know what I mean um, <laughs> I don't I really don't have a great comp because like offensively. You could argue that he's a little like Mike D'Antoni-esque because he wants to shoot a, just a crap ton of threes. Right. Um, Nate Thomas is Kenny Atkinson. Quinn Snyder is a good one. I, I thought Quinn's- about Quinn Snyder. I just didn't know like how much of that defense is Quinn Snyder's doing and how much of it is just, well, we have Rudy Gobert. Oh, the other thing I would say about Indegnal's favor is mm-hmm. uh, like a characteristic of him is that he does seem to put his players in the best situation yeah I, I don't necessarily know if he has an offensive system as much as just trying to put the players in the best position based on what he has yeah comments from uh from the chat steve kerr quinn snyder kenny atkinson steve kerr Spolstra. dude steve kerr 
<laughs> I, well, I guess I shouldn't say an offense this good. It's the worst offense in the league. <laughs> but I will just say when Steph Curry, when Steph Curry is not playing, the Golden State offense does not look good yeah. at all. And it feels like Dagnall, they can bring in anyone and he makes it work. Whereas with the Warriors, they've brought in anyone and it has not worked. Like all of these random role players they bring in don't fit his system. Whereas it seems yeah, like anyone fits Dagnall's system. Yeah, that's where it's more of like a Spolstra Popovich situation. Right. Or Pop did this with guys, guys you wouldn't even, you've never even heard of, will go and play minutes and look good and then trick people into giving them contracts later on but anyways roundabout answer he projects as a good coach it's really hard to compare coaches i think it's a really tough thing to do especially in this modern era where things are changing so much yeah Uh, it's it's difficult but i think some of those names uh would definitely compare favorably yeah like uh, listening to uh hollinger and duncan do an entire podcast ranking coaches that that sounds like the hardest topic ever to do i, I was don't it even, even a, was it was it even an enjoyable listen would be my question uh it was for me because i w- wanted to see where they put dignal so you're just waiting yeah. for your guy that's the <laughs> yeah yeah that's true <laughs> when, are, when are they gonna say my coach <laughs> yeah and then what are they gonna the say about him and does it confirm all of my prior beliefs and then if that's right. the case, then I'll be happy. If it's not, then I'll be mad. <laughs> I'm pretty. I'm a simple guy. That's how I listen to podcasts. <laughs> oh man, uh, cute underscore information underscore one nine one says, "What is the plan if we can't land a top five pick? Should we cash the load of picks in the next two years, or is it a longer wait?" Uh, I think it depends how far you fall in terms of how aggressive you need to be. We'll have to see mm-hmm. where they end up in the final standing because, you know, if they, if they fall back a spot, like let's say the Cavs pass them, which would be really bad, and they end up in the sixth spot, I think they can fall all the way to ninth. Like that would be mm-hmm. terrible. That'd be That'd a worst be case bad. scenario. And I think if you fall to ninth, you have to be more aggressive. Whereas if yeah. you end up at sixth, let's see what happens. I'm, I'm starting to read some stuff about Jonathan Kuminga that makes me think that, of anyone in that top five, like he is the most likely to fall out of it. Sure. Yeah. And if that's possible. And, yeah. And, and so what if that happens and all of a sudden you got a guy who you've thought was a top five guy this entire season, then you feel better about it. So I, I do think even though it's not that big of a difference, the difference between being at six versus nine kind of changes what you're going to do. Now, if they, obviously if you're at six, that increases your ability to potentially move up because you have a better pick to trade, I still think that's going to be really tough. Um, you're, you're going to need like a, a perfect storm of a team being in the top five, doesn't really want or need any of those players, is looking for veterans. Maybe it's a three-team deal where they're getting a, a veteran from another team and you're sending that team picks. I don't know. I, I just I think that's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think they're going to be ultra-aggressive, period. That would be my guess. Is the, the, they've been ultra aggressive. I mean, this entire season already with all the roster moves they've been making, mm-hmm. um, even like leaving aside what happened in the preseason, um, like or in the off season, mm-hmm. even within season, they've been super aggressive. Yeah, I would guess that would continue. I have no reason to believe it won't. 
I don't think they're just going to sit on their hands because I, I think that they have in mind guys that they want. I don't know who they are. I don't know what their evaluations look like. I don't know what they think of guys beyond Cade. I have no idea. I don't even know what to think about Cade. Oh, so they oh, so they like Cade. Oh, so they like Cade. Who doesn't? You do have that information. I mean, who doesn't like Cade? <laughs> I don't have that information either. Andrew's breaking news. And yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, who's to say that like they don't like Jalen Johnson as much as they like Jalen Green? I have no idea. Um, right. Or Scotty Barnes or Moses Moody. I don't know what their evaluations are going to be on these players. Uh, so it's to me it, or Josh Giddy. They want to bring in a guy from Adelaide, young young man. I have no idea. I don't know what they I don't know what they want in a player and I don't know what their evaluations are. So it's hard for me to say that oh if they land at 7 then they're going to trade five picks so they can get up to 4. You know, I don't I have no yeah, idea. They may yeah, true. they may like the guy at 7. I don't know. Yeah, th- I I have generally heard on podcasts that a lot of people in the league have a hard and fast top five, and it's the top five that we all know. Yeah. But I, I bet that starts to change as we get closer to the draft. Some of these guys start working out. There will be guys within that like six to ten range who some teams think are top five players in this draft. Yeah, That's going to happen. The, the idea that you would have a perfect top five and it stays consistent throughout the entire season – that just doesn't usually happen. Somebody jumps up yeah. and gets people excited. And inevitably, one of the guys in the five or two or three of them in the five will not be good in the league. And then somebody will pop from six to 12. Like it, it just right. inevitably yeah. happens in every draft. And That said, if we don't get a top five pick, I'll be miserable. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. It'll be I'll be absolutely miserable until I see otherwise that Moody or Barnes or Jalen Johnson is actually like super good. Um, right. So we have that to look forward to. Uh, okay, uh, T Nevs wants to know if you could choose a new name or corporate sponsor, what would the new arena name be for the Thunder? So the Chesapeake announced yesterday that they are effective immediately ending their partnership with the Thunder uh, because of their financial situation. Uh, but they also are keeping the name, which is like, okay, I get it. Like, I get why they would do that, but it's just like, we're ending it, but you also get to keep it for a little bit. That's kind of cool. Uh, but if you could name it something different or pick the sponsor, who would it be? Yeah. Now? I think uh, the coolest name would be... Uh, You'd be sponsored by the Ranch Steakhouse, and you'd call it the Ranch. We're playing in the Ranch tonight. Wouldn't that be fun? Go all out Western themed. What that playing in the Ranch? It's just a little too. It's I don't know. It's too on brand for Oklahoma, though. I I, I want to be more on brand. I feel like we've left too much of that in the dust. Okay. In the Dust Bowl, Andrew. Okay. We're not talking about the Dust Bowl enough. We need to bring more Western wear. I don't know. I I, th- I just think that would be more enjoyable. I feel like they don't have enough of a personality right now in terms of their branding and and the arena. And people would make fun of it, but it'd be it'd be more fun. Yeah. Wouldn't it be Wouldn't it be fun if instead of a instead of playoff T-shirts, they handed out playoff cowboy hats? That would be really fun. And it was just twenty thousand people wearing cowboy hats, blue cowboy hats. Yeah, Hoopsock sixty nine says the boot barn. Oh, the boot, the boot barn. Hey, what's the name of the what's the name of the place where you can get boots down on? Is it like Meridian? 
uh, oh, not, what is it called? I can't remember what it is, but boot barn. Somebody would be, tell us. Boot barn would be kind of amazing. To the barn. See, Brandon Blackburn is uh, is uh, reading my mind. Cinnamon Toast Crunch Arena. You call it the crunch. The crunch. Yeah. Welcome to the crunch. Now, why would a, to why would crunch. a national brand? Huh? I mean, they're not based. They're not based in Oklahoma. Also, cereal manufacturers don't name stuff after individual cereals. It'd have to be like Post Arena or whoever does it. General, General Mills, Mills Arena. Arena. No, no, no. I think you could definitely do it. Make it the Crunch Arena, the CTC Arena. Crunch. I mean, it, it sounds cool. Now, the the rumor that was out there yesterday was Paycom. It's got to be Paycom. You see, like their CEO is like one of the top paid CEOs in the country. Like they've got just oh really money out the wazoo, and they're looking for ways to spend it. They built an outdoor. Oh, Shepplers! I was thinking of Shepplers. Shepplers, Shepplers Arena. <laughs> oh, I remember Shepplers. Yeah, does Shepplers not exist anymore? I don't know. I don't. I I have no idea. I've never been. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, uh, well, it's gone. Uh, Velveeta is obviously another one. Thunder fans, whoever runs their Twitter accounts, a Thunder fan. So. You can make that happen. Then obviously, like there's the Sonic one, where it's like Sonic Arena. Let's make everybody sad. Sonic's Sonic Arena, you know, piss national writers off about it. You know, that's that whole angle. Uh, I mean, could they? Could Sonic? I guess they would still want their name. I was gonna say if you could name it after one of their products, Tots, uh, the Tot. We're going down to the, the Tot. Yeah, the the Coney, the Coney, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't like I don't like any of that. Uh, but if the, if it is Paycom, I kind of don't like that because what do you call it? Because you call the you call it the peak. We're going down to the peak, right? Yeah. What do you call it if it's Paycom um, Arena? Paycom. Yeah. There's not a lot to work with there. No, we don't have a lot to work with. Unless they paint the Paycom. whole. What about what about they uh, paint the whole thing green and you say we're going down to the green machine. Okay, I could do that. <laughs> what about, I could live with what that. about Toby Keith's "I Love This Bar and Arena"? <laughs> Toby Keith's "I Love This Bar and Arena." Yeah, that's a that's a name. That's a name you could do. Thank you. Yep. Uh, the brick the Brick City Arena could be a Brick City I Arena. Mean, that, that would be right on, now for sure. That would be on brand for the city, just to name it something to do with the city. Yeah. Yeah, Scissor Tail Arena. Oh, oh, Scissor Tail Arena sounds. I usually give OKC too much crap for putting the Scissor Tail in literally everything, but that actually sounds cool. Scissor Tail Arena. Yeah. Going down to the Scissor Tail. All right. Uh, next one, Professor F1 Nesser. Uh, maybe I'm looking too far ahead here, but does the idea of Chet Holmgren and Poku playing together excite you? I'm going crazy just thinking about what it would even look like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're just sitting in the room just going crazy ah! doing um, photoshops of chet and poku i totally get the uh the sentiment though because they would be the weirdest team ever if they had poku and chet there that's must watch 81 games a season for for literally any nba fan right yeah that that would be and, and I almost feel like you could you play him at the power forward, so you still have a center. So you could still yeah. 
this is one reason to keep Moses around. So you could have a Moses, Chet, and Poku front line. <laughs> all seven footers. Ideally, Evan Mobley, Chet, and Poku. Yes, 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 yes. Where you just don't know what's going on. You don't know who is what. You don't know who is supposed to do what. And I, it would, I think KOC's mind would just completely just explode if that happened. Were you surprised at all that he went to Gonzaga? Uh, or was that kind of expected? I, I honestly don't know. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> Obviously, they've done a lot for their program in the last several years, and they've gotten a lot of really good prospects. So it's not shocking in, in that way, but I think the style of play is perfect for a guy like Chet. Yeah. So, and he, he he'll he'll play next year, right? He's yeah. next year's class. Yep, he's next year's class. Yeah, and Monty Bates Ugh. is the one where I don't know if people know what class he's in yet. Um, oh, because okay. he could be behind Chet, or he could be in this next class. But I would guess he's going to be behind Chet. Uh, God, I feel it's it's crazy to think uh, we were so excited about 2022 being the double draft for so long, mm-hmm. and now it's. Uh, just like no it's indication that that's ever happened. Yeah, the double draft is dead, which is really double draft is dead. Sad. Okay, one word answer on this. Miguel Devella wants to know who's staying longer, Poku or Bays? Poku. Poku. Okay, see Thundercam. Non Thunder Tank question. The Raptors are obviously tanking now, so why did they not trade Kyle Lowry? Reportedly, they asked a steep price for him and didn't get it. Now he just sits on the bench. And is soon to be a free agent. Presty would never waste an asset like that. I mean, either they, uh, uh, what I actually think might be going on is that they actually want to keep him around next season. And maybe they're just thinking, hey, let's tank or do the best tank we can with Nick Nurse, get a decent pick, and then bring back all these guys. We'll be back in Toronto. You could see that team having a significant jump year to year. Sure. next year and if Kyle Lowry's only looking for like a two-year 50 million dollar deal which was the rumored deal mm-hmm. you know that's not really that crazy mm-hmm. and if Toronto just does that plays this out for these next two seasons and then goes into like a more full rebuild when OG Ananobi is like 25 may- maybe that makes more sense mm-hmm. so th- that that's one thought I had why they might have the asking price so high for Lowry because mm-hmm. yeah it, it was weird yeah because if you strange. knew he was going to leave, you would just kind you would want to get something back. Yeah, the rumor is Miami. Right, that he's going to go to Miami, which is still very possible. So it is sometimes. Sometimes though, I don't know. It's not worth it for franchises to just trade guys like that. If you're not getting a whole lot back, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't worth it to them to make a deal, but I would think it. It should be. But I have no idea. We we never even heard like a actual trade idea for that, like a proposed. Yeah, I mean, you'd get a late first from Philly, and right. I don't know what young guy they would offer up. But it's like, okay, are any of those like changing your future? Probably not. So. I don't know. Uh, Probably not. Uh, MJ Power OKCU wants to know, who would you draft with a hypothetical 31st pick from Minnesota? Uh, so first of all, no one has done mocks 
I mean, no one serious has done mocks or the people that I usually go to, like Mm -hmm. the ringer is only up to like 14 on their little draft or their big board. Now, Sam Vecini has his big board. He doesn't have a mock draft yet. But what I did think was interesting on his big board is that he has BJ Boston way down at 33. Yeah. That's and the name similarly, Tankathon, they do have a mock up and they have BJ Boston going to the Thunder at 32. That is the type of guy I would want to take at the, in, in the beginning of the second round. Someone who, before the season, was mocked in the top 10 across the board and then had a really terrible year but got better as the season went on. I mean, like, truly terrible at the beginning <laughs> to, to the point where people like, this guy needs to stay in school because mm-hmm. it's so bad. But he did start to pick it up. That Kentucky team wasn't great. I I just – I like the idea of taking a guy like that yeah. who looked really good. I mean, was a top prospect coming out of high school, just didn't work out in college. If you can get that guy in the second round, see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, he's supposed to be a top eight guy. Right. He's fallen yeah. this far. Yeah, I would definitely take him. Uh, Dacian Nix, who played on the G League Ignite team, is uh, only interesting because he's just a thick daddy to me. Well, you know what? You can get both of those because right now we have pick 32 and 35. We get both of those players. Yeah, that's true. We could get both. Let's do that. Let's bring them both in. Uh, no Limit in the chat says that Chet played with Jalen Suggs in high school. Oh, so there's the connection there. Thanks for the probably info good there. Yes, uh, Alex, the frozen Oki wants to know what is the origin story of Deborah Buckets, and is uh, Debbie the ori- is Debbie the original NBA Twitter catfish? Uh, <laughs> no, that was never planned as a catfish. No, the uh, the the origin of Deborah Buckets is that Luke and Andrew were going to a media day. It was Luke's first media day. 2014, probably, I believe. Pr- probably last media day. It was his first <laughs> and last media day. It's very last. funny to think about Luke at media day. It is very <laughs> funny. Yes, it is. Uh, uh, so Luke went to media day, and he was trying to think up questions to ask the players, even though we both knew he was not going to ask any questions. But I said, okay, what if you started, what if you made up nicknames for all the players and ask them about it and say, hey, a lot of people online have been calling you this. What do you think about this nickname? And then the joke would be that he'd do it for every single player and that the names would all have the exact same format. So it was like Deborah Buckets, Sally Jumpers, Barbara Blocks. And the idea was that he would ask every single player, hey, people online are calling you this. And Deborah Buckets was just one of those names that I came up with. So that is that is the origin story of Deborah Buckets. Uh gunned down degenerate wants to know uh larry markinen is a restricted free agent this offseason and the bulls aren't likely to re-sign him he's pretty injury prone missing 20 to 30 games a season is he worth throwing an offer at after after that very convincing intro is he worth throwing an offer at uh if so what is the maximum you'd be willing to pay him seems like the spurs are a team Currently most interested in him. Seeing how Presti is a Spurs product, I wouldn't be surprised if Presti is looking at marketing right now. Yeah, the I actually like the idea of the Spurs because you pair him with Pirtle in the front court. You pair him with all those wing defenders they have, mm-hmm. perimeter defenders. That actually makes a lot of sense. So I think the Spurs should do it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Spurs do it? Yeah, please. That's my, that's my, that's my opinion on it. Yeah. Because I, if you're going to – 
you're probably going to have to throw out a decent offer, even though he hasn't had a great year. I mean, I don't know what he's going to get at this point, but it's probably going to be more than you're expecting. And if you're going to be paying that to someone, you're probably going to be one to, you want to commit to them and play them a decent amount of minutes. So at that point, I think you have to be completely out on Baisley because Markinen's if, if you're going to be paying him whatever you're going to pay him, you're going to want to play him 30 minutes a night, right? Right. So then Baisley's out at that point, or Baisley's mm-hmm. playing a much reduced role, which yeah. maybe that's where things go regardless. I mean, they could get a, a top pick that they want to play at power forward. Um, but it just it doesn't seem like something they would do right now. No, they're or the tight or the player they'd go after. I guess the, I get the idea that he's like skilled and would maybe fit in this fit in with this team, but man, the idea of Lowry Markinen has never matched up with what he is in real life. No, I'm I'm not a fan of this idea. The Thunder will only be using their cap space to generate value either uh as an asset or if they think a player has like a value contract. And are you convinced that Larry Markkinen is going to be a value contract on his next deal? Maybe he is, but are you like, how sure are you that he—that's what he's going to be? I'm not super sure. I'm not super sure. So I, I think it's a, I think it's an interesting idea. I would just be surprised if the Thunder use their cap space on a restricted free agent or even a free agent. Period. I think that they're going to use their cap space for trades to acquire more assets. I would. Or a, another young player like they like how they acquired Eric Maynard. So I would look for yeah. that more than I would for signing Markkinen. And Markkinen is going to have to want to come to OKC too. Like, does that is that what Larry Markkinen wants? We have to think about that too. Like, maybe the Thunder do want that, but Markkinen's like, why would I do that? I'd just rather stay in Chicago, um, or I'd rather go to the Spurs, or I'd rather go play somewhere else like why would i want to come to okc yeah so he's i'm I'm very interested to see what happens with him yeah because man the bulls are so disappointing i was i was looking i was just comparing their stats to last season because last season was so terrible yeah with jim boylan i know and and we all said like wow they're getting like a legitimate head coach and billy donovan and man, it has been disappointing. <laughs> it's been very disappointing. This is not. This is not what. Uh, this is not what Billy signed up for. This is not what anybody else signed up for. This is. It's nope. rough. It's really rough. Discovered the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Giorgio Armani Aqua Di Gio Parfum, a long-lasting and deeply intense men's fragrance that captures the powerful sensations of nature. The woody aquatic scent features notes of bergamot, clary sage, and patchouli, 
which create an intensity that is vibrant and aromic. Discover more at GiorgioArmaniBeauty.com. Thunderbucks97 wants to know, do you believe the Thunder will sign or trade for any additional vets in the offseason to help train our young guys? I know we have Horford, but I expect him to be shipped off this offseason. Are there any specific vets that you'd like to see in a Thunder uniform next year? Uh, that would be good fit. That would be a good fit for our young development. I, I feel like it would have to be someone who's like almost out of the league that you're almost bringing in as like a coaching candidate, mm-hmm. uh, like like a Kevin Ollie, kind of how the role he played on the Thunder when he was here. Yes, yes, they are going to try to bring in guys like that, cheap that aren't going to cost that's low cost, but good character type of guys that likely won't affect winning at a high level. So any guys, but are, like but are that, good locker room guys and are guys that you don't need to devote a lot of minutes to. Cause I, I don't think they yeah. want to bring in a veteran who's going to soak up minutes necessarily. They have too many no. young guys they need to develop. No. Yeah. I think that's right. Uh, I don't who that ha- player is. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. It's likely, I mean, I think it's always good to have a point guard-sized guy having that role on the Thunder, but it's it's just really hard to say who that could possibly be. Uh, I'll get point. you. I'll, get, I'll find you. I'll find you a name. You keep going. I'll find you a name. Okay. It's got to be a lower, like, like maybe if Ish Smith wanted to come back to OKC. Like well, that's, Ish, that's a good one. Ish Smith is a great locker room guy. He's been in OKC before. He's an expiring contract with the Wizards. Um, he's like he's an awesome person too. Like I think he's like very much like Thunder culture. What they want from a guy is is an Ish Smith, and I think he can still come in and play a little bit. Like I think he can still play. Maybe that's the reason they don't sign him is that he can still play. But that kind of guy, and he loves the show. Everybody loves Raymond which is always a positive thing. Wow. Uh, So let's see. Chalupa underscore Batman 23. What are the chances with this new era basketball, the Thunder get new jerseys and a logo redesign? And if they do, how hopeful are we that it won't be terrible looking jerseys? Thanks for the amazing content and Thunder up. Well, I've, I've kind of come to the conclusion that uh, my opinion on jerseys and logos uh, doesn't matter anymore, Andrew, because those NASCAR jerseys that I feel like you and I both do not really like, Shay really likes them and seems genuine when he's talking about them. There are people that like them. Blake and, Murphy, and I writer, that- athletic writer for the um, Raptors, thinks that they're the best jersey in the league. Do you know who else said that? Who tweeted that? Uh, James Edwards hmm. from the Pistons. I See? saw him yes. tweet that during a game. And the thing like, about it is like, they're like both them. cool guys. They're both cool guys. I know them both. They're both cool guys. And it makes and me rethink. You throw in Shea in that. That's three cool guys. That's three cool guys. Dort, four. Oh, my Maybe gosh. Maybe we're not cool so, guys. Maybe we're not cool. Maybe that's the problem. So I would say yes, it would be very fun and exciting, especially if they actually did like a full scale change like with the logo. I mean, we've been getting mm-hmm. so many new jerseys. We get like a couple new jerseys every year now. So it's less yeah. about that for me. Um, that has kind of been fulfilled. 
It's more about if they really yeah. did go all the way and do a new logo, kind of like Atlanta did a few years ago. That would be very fun. Mm-hmm. And what if they did yeah, a more like be. Euro style logo? Mm. I'd be in favor. Get rid of the Doritos logo. I'm ready for that to be gone. They would probably uh, just let's put it see. in a Groom. <laughs> I probably would. Uh, Grooms512 says, besides the outcome of the lottery and Shay's improvement, what are some of the biggest successes that you think will define this season? Deep cuts earn extra points. Uh, I would say the, the third one behind whatever those first two were would be Poku's uh, ability to play in the NBA as the youngest player in the NBA. And show significant flashes because there are rookies this year who are not flashing as much as Pokushevsky and, and rookies who went ahead yeah. of him who are not flashing as much as him. I mean, you look at like Okongwu mm-hmm. in Atlanta. Yeah. In retrospect, what a weird pick because Clint Capella is absolutely balling and seems to be locked in as their center of the future. And he's still relatively mm-hmm. young. I think he's like 25 or 26. So he's going to be, he's just now entering his prime. Weird pick in retrospect, and I don't know how Okongwu really gets a ton of playing time going forward because the idea of him was always this is like an awesome small ball center type of guy. Mm-hmm. So just the fact that Poku is getting minutes and has completely turned around what we were seeing early in the season. Early in the season is kind of what we expected. Like, this is terrible. Sure. <laughs> this is not good at all. This guy might be yeah. out of the league in two years. To a guy that, you know, the ringer is making eight-minute videos about because he's so exciting. That has to be. I Bill mean, that's Sim- a Bill huge... Simmons is talking about him. Right, yeah. I mean, that ha- like, that's that's a huge victory. Yeah, it's a huge one. I actually think there's quite a few uh, success stories here. I think Lou Dort's progress is a huge success story. I think Teo, who has he's he's been rough lately, but I think that he's a guy you think wouldn't it wouldn't be shocking to see him in the league in 10 years yeah. kind of thing. Like that's a big deal to get a second round pick there. I think unearthing guys like Kenrich and Ty Jerome, yeah, those two, and even Svi Mihailuk to a degree, like that's that's a big victory. Those those type of things, and even Isaiah Roby, who has developed into somebody that you could see sticking somewhere, maybe here. I don't know. Like, those are all big time success stories for the Thunder in different degrees, but. Really, the Dort development is one of the bigger ones, certainly. I mean, think about uh, uh, if you were doing the same question for the Rockets. Like... Jay Sean Tate? Yeah, Jay Sean Tate. Is that the end? I mean, Kevin Porter Jr. is there, but uh, he, has, KPJ. he has not been great since coming back from the G League, where he was great. Um, but yeah, like the Thunder have unearthed a lot of guys during this during yeah. this season and that's what you have to do Kenrich, when you're going to be bad yeah the kenrich thing is significant because i do think that he's a real guy that's going to play for somebody and play big minutes for somebody i believe that i think that he's proven to be that good and hopefully it's with the thunder but if it's not i i can see him contributing for a lot of people and uh, the league has taken notice of kenrich uh, that's that's certainly a big success for OKC. He's become a smart NBA uh, guy, without a doubt. 
He's probably the smart NBA guy on this team. Uh, let's see. This one is interesting. Shape Novo says, you think there's a way that we could reasonably acquire a wise man? I really like his game, and he can be our future center. He can develop his three-point shot and defense while he's already a decent finisher. I'm thinking we develop Wiseman as a starter and then use Moses as a backup with energy. Thoughts? I, I thought about this, and I just think it's hard to come up with a deal that makes sense for Golden State. I think it would have to be a three-team deal because all indications are if they did trade Wiseman, it would be because they're acquiring a significant player for their yes. for their current, current core. And I don't believe that significant player is on the Thunder other than Shea, which we're not trading. Um, yeah, they're not trading So Shea for, for that to work, it would have to be a team that, you know, I mean, we can do the Bradley Beal thing, even though, you know, there's no indication that that's ever happening. But let's say Washington is willing to finally willing to trade Bradley Beal, but they're not really interested in James Wiseman. Well, in that case, you could construct a three-team trade where Oklahoma City is taking on Wiseman and is sending the value in terms of the pick assets to Washington. That's the one scenario where I could maybe see it making sense. Um, the question still comes down to, like, how much do you really want to give up for Wiseman? Because it's almost the kind of thing where you, you based on what you've seen, you, you want to get him at a discount, but you're probably not going to be getting him at a discount. So you're going to have to be p- no. paying a premium for James Wiseman. So you have to be really confident yes. that he is a guy you want to invest in long term. I'm not confident that I would want to invest in him long term. Therefore, I wouldn't trade for him. And you're right. The Thunder don't have the goods to make it happen. Someone brought up like a Horford for Wiseman deal. Ain't no way. Ain't no way. Ain't no way. Ain't no way. I don't know if there's enough picks that you could attach to make that worth it or make sense. Like on the surface, yes, it makes sense. You give them a player that plays now that helps them. Sure. Horford helps them a ton today. But you have to know, too, that the Warriors are looking ahead and trying to build a bridge from this team to the next team. And Wiseman is like one of the huge building blocks along with the next pick that they get from Minnesota, whether it's this season or next. So that's that's the plan. And Horford completely blows up that plan, although fits well with the team today. There's just no way they do something like that. Uh, let's see. I carpet. Wants to know. He says there are currently 14 games left. Do you think it is more likely that we will win five of those games or lose every game until the end of the season? I I mean, it has to be lose every game. If you had said three, I would have started thinking about it. But five, I mean, that's that's going five and nine. Yeah, that that would be based over under two and a half. Over under two and a half. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good over under. Um, yeah. I'm going to go under. I'll say they'll win two or less games. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. Because you look at the schedule, the rest of this month, Indiana tonight, Washington in OKC Friday, Philly, Boston back-to-back, New Orleans Pelicans, the deck, what I'm calling the deck Ooh, game. That could change the everything, prob- though. The probable deck game. Then they play Saturday at home against Indiana at home against Phoenix, at home against Sacramento. And then you have this Golden State, Golden State, Sacramento, Sacramento. Um, which I don't... Sacramento, oh gosh, they suck, man. They're horrible. I was watching them last night against the Timberwolves. Yeah. And they were just atrocious. 
I mean, just the worst. And they don't even have – they have lots of good players on the court, and they just suck. So those worry me a little bit. Golden State doesn't worry me anymore. I actually think those are both in the Bay. Both of those games are. And both the Sacramento games are after that are both in Sacramento. So maybe that helps. Probably not. Who cares? They're, they stink. Um, and then you have Utah and the Clippers at home, which I'm, I don't know what to think about those, um, about those games. Cause I don't know who's going to play, Yeah, but they both, both those teams have enough depth where you could see the Thunder losing to them anyways. Uh, and then a lot of this also depends on Shea. Does Shea want to play the last three games of the season? I have no idea. Uh, I would guess he does not. My thinking is it makes no sense to do that. It makes no sense at all for him to come play, even the last two home games. Um, yeah, but perhaps that could happen. It's a uh, from the Thunder side. It is really dramatic how much worse they've gotten because yeah. we we can talk about how they were you know mediocre for a lot of the season, but remember that when Shea was out, like. And or even when Dort was out early in the season, like they were still winning those a lot of those games. Like I went and looked it up before this most recent stretch, when Shea was out of the lineup, they were three and five. It's more wins than they've had in the yeah. last fifteen games. And when Dort was out, they were two and two. So they have like mm-hmm. fallen off a cliff. Even like regardless of the fact that, that Shea and Dort are are out, even compared to early in the season, because I, I would say like a month ago we were still pretty worried. Like, even if Shea is going to be out, even if Dort is out, this team has still been really good and been competitive every mm-hmm. single night. Now, that game against the Wizards on Monday night was competitive, um, but we've seen mm-hmm. way more non-competitive games over these last couple weeks. So now they are 1-14 without Shea in this recent stretch and 1-8 without Dort. So that's the that's really the part that makes me think they could lose – the majority of these games, like the overwhelming majority, win two or less. Because they've just been a worse yeah. team. Which again, it's crazy to think that like they've still been a they were a bottom five offense this entire year. When they were mm-hmm. all healthy, they were hovering around like the ninth to twelfth defense. That has fallen down to about twenty-third, I think. So that's really been the significant yeah. change. And I do think the offense has gotten even worse than it was previously, even though it was still in the bottom five. Yeah. They are easily the worst team in the NBA right now. Oh, easy. when Kurt easily. Goldsberry puts up, like, the efficiency landscape or, like, any, like, big-time stats. I know. Like, OKC is always in the bottom left corner. Yeah. And they'll be there, which makes me think that it's more likely they lose the rest of their games. Um I do think it's unlikely that they lose all of them, but I think it's more likely that they are around. They win maybe two more. And you think they're winning tonight? Um, one of them is tonight. One it's of them the is pieces. absolutely tonight. It's happening. Um, this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep. 
You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, we got to rapid fire through some of these, Al. Let's let's try to wrap in 10 minutes if we can. Patrick, underscore Patrick Shannon, one, two, three, four. If OKC gets two picks in the top five, would SGA and Dort's skill sets affect the selection process? Or would it still be the best two available? BPA, because for different reasons. Dort, because he's not good enough where you're going to not draft someone because you're worried about Dort. Shea maybe is good enough where you'd think twice, but the great thing about Shea is he's so flexible. Like, he can play multiple positions, so you don't really have to worry about it. So, like, it's not like having a Chris Paul on your team where, like, you you can't bring in another small point guard probably. That probably wouldn't be the best idea. Right. With the Thunder, yeah. they're just so flexible that it doesn't matter. Just take BPA. Yeah, have to. They have to. Uh, niche Mode wants to know, if you do you think that Presti regrets not trading CP3 Adams and Schroeder at the beginning of last season and starting the tank earlier? We could be sitting on LaMelo Shea backcourt. Um, I mean, the hard part of that is... I don't think they would have gotten the returns. They definitely wouldn't have gotten the return for Chris Paul that they got. No, no chance. No, they chance. may have to give up an asset to get rid of him. Yeah, and and remember that that is the trade that allowed them to get the picks to get Poku, and got them Ty Jerome, and got them a future first that is a real first. Um, Stephen Adams. I don't know if you're getting that trade last year. That trade yeah, is crazier by the day both to get someone like Kendrick Williams and also to get the picks included as well. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. Dennis Schroeder is maybe a guy who you could have traded for a similar package at that time. So I don't know. If you could guarantee me that they would have gotten a, like, top two pick in that draft, Mm -hmm. maybe I consider Mm -hmm. doing it. But if you're just saying, oh, we'll we'll trade these guys and, and hope it works out, that I feel less confident in because I do think those returns were significant enough that I, I it gives me pause. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Also, I don't want to take LaMelo away from Eric Collins. Uh, Bam, Bam Bam slash please wants to know, Andrew, can you give us a serial scale of how he ranks the top five prospects in the next draft? Sure. Cade Cunningham, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Evan Mobley, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Jalen Suggs, Golden Grams. Jalen Green, Golden Grams, Jonathan Kaminga, um, Frosted Mini Wheats. All right. Cool. Everybody agree? Yeah, makes sense. Great. On to the next question. <laughs> Arc Gaming underscore wants to know. Oh, no. We don't. I'm not answering your question. Thank you, Arc Gaming, for the question. Uh, let's see. Mm, 13, Better Call Paul, 18, wants to know, are there any super risky swing for the fences prospects in this draft that you think Presti is looking into, similar to Poku in the past draft? Asking outside of the top five. Um, no. I mean, we kind of... Talk- yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think there's a... No. I don't think there's a mystery man to the level of a Pokushevsky. If, or if there is, I yeah. haven't heard about them yet. Um, yeah, I mean Josh Giddy is is one who's kind of a mystery type of international player that it could be good. Moses Moody is a really young player that could be swinging for the fences. Keon Johnson's another one. Jalen Johnson, 
I mean, it's it's really younger guys. Isaiah Jackson from Kentucky is not – I don't know. I don't love him. But uh, even Zyre Williams out of Stanford, who's kind of fallen a little bit. Yeah. Perhaps he's kind of a swing guy. Greg Brown from um, Texas, who I kind of really like. Yeah, I guess I was thinking of like back half of the first round. But it's true that if like outside of those top five, and even probably some of those top five, like they're they're all swing for the fences type guys. There aren't many. Yeah, there's like, a there's a lot of them. Yeah, there are not many like veteran sure things. Other than Corey Kispert, I don't think he's a swing for the fence guy. No, I don't think he is either. Even and Davion Mitchell too. Yeah, is like a closer to a sure thing than anybody else. But I, again, I would be surprised if the Thunder went that direction. Uh, let's see. Uh, DHR seventy four sixty eight is essentially asking where do you think the Thunder finish in the standings? One word answer. Uh, fourth. Uh, Presti for president wants to know what do you think of the shift Presti has made from acquiring very athletic guys who couldn't shoot to acquiring less athletic guys with multiple skills who can shoot, pass, and dribble? Which type of roster of guys do you prefer? I mean, ultimately, a matter. Uh, the only thing that matters is is wins. Like, can can he build a high level team that plays this way? This thirtieth mm-hmm. ranked offense <laughs> that plays this way. Uh, I would say. Aesthetically, you know, you you do kind of miss the Westbrook dunks. You know, you miss the, sure. the those kind of explosive highlight plays. Obviously, there are mm-hmm. still guys on this team that can have like really athletic, awesome plays, but you don't see it as much. On the flip side, just game to game, it is a less frustrating offense to watch. Um, I I, yes. I do not feel like there are guys on the roster that aren't being utilized correctly, which is what I always felt yeah. watching those old Thunder teams. I mean, we'd always talk about, oh, if Alex Abrinas could just string a couple games together, Terrence Ferguson, there was always someone that we felt wasn't being utilized correctly or was had, lacking confidence because they weren't being utilized correctly. So that aspect of it I much prefer, at least so far. Mm-hmm. Um. Archane wants to know what starting lineup are you expecting for next season? Shea, Dort, Poku, fill in the blank, fill in the blank. Ooh, two fill in the blanks. Yep. Thoughts? I I think that's that's correct. I would say the okay, especially if they get two top five picks. Yeah. Uh, Exact Warlord wants to know why is Poku's closeout on three pointers the best in the NBA, and when do other players around the league begin to shamelessly copy him? I mean, listen, is it effective? No, but he also there's no risk of him fouling the guy because he is not running in a straight line towards them. He is running to the side of them, which is a good thing to do. And you know what? His arms are so long. If he could get there quick enough. He could just use those long arms to maybe block him from the side. So yeah, yeah, I love True. I love the idea of him just running both of his hands up in the air, just sprinting down the court. <laughs> it's more of a distraction <laughs> tactic than it is like actually trying to contest the shot. It is. 
That's ninety uh, percent of his movements are distraction <laughs> tactics. I would say. Uh, DT TTFU wants to know: Does Alex still get random stuff from Korea or wherever? I can't remember where. Uh, no, that stopped a long time ago. I actually thought I had one the other day. I thought it had oh, restarted. No. I was so excited because it was a package that uh, my wife she didn't even recognize. Like, what is this stuff? But then we it turned out we did order it. <laughs> we had just completely forgotten. <laughs> So we had a brief moment. Oh, we're back on. We're getting free stuff again. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Instanson wants to know, would there be any negatives if we lose every game for the rest of this season? I, it's hard to come up with significant negatives because I think you would forget about it so quickly. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the negative would be like if Shay came out and said something about it. Like, this sucks. I don't want to be in a losing environment. That is like... The only thing I could imagine that would actually be bad. Yeah, I like like people getting upset about it or not tuning in as much or or saying, "Oh, this team sucks. This isn't fun to watch." I don't really care about any of that long term because, again, once we get to the end of the season, we're waiting a month, and then you're going to forget all about this season because we're going to have brand new rookies that we're going to be so excited about, and this season will be a past memory that we will probably forget about. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime somebody brings up like, well, they're developing bad habits and they're blah, 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 blah. It's just, it's a bunch of crap. There's no evidence to support that. There weren't, that didn't happen with Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant that went to the NBA finals. That's not happening with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Are they suffering from bad habits? Especially on this team in particular, because, okay, you could watch those process Sixers teams and say like, who is learning anything right now on the court? Like, who is this helping at all? But we've just talked about yeah. all of the development of all these different guys up and down the roster this season. Like that right. is very meaningful, leaving aside wins and losses. And that is something that wasn't necessarily yeah. happening with the process Sixers. Or it was happening for like Robert Covington and that's it. Yeah. It's funny, like you'll just hear different perspectives from different people. And a lot of largely depends on like what team that they're tied to. Like anybody that's tied to Memphis believes that tanking is yes. is evil and wrong. Dude, I was listening to uh, anyone that's anybody that's tied to Memphis. I was listening to Fast so, Break Be- Breakfast, and they were having that yeah. conversation. Yeah, Keith is very anti-tank, and I love Keith. I think Keith is great. I think Keith does a very good job. I hope that Keith becomes a full-time podcaster very soon because he's very good at it. But, um. He's very anti-tank. He believes that they're, they're forming bad habits. I just would say, where, like, show me the evidence of that. And you, and you know what? The, in the, 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 yeah. You know what? A lot of that probably has to do with, and and you could say this about Thunder fans as well, is that we saw this type of plan work once. We saw getting a mm-hmm. lot of top picks and that turning into a championship contender. What did Memphis see? Mm-hmm. They saw getting these random guys. I mean, I think Mike Conley was probably the highest pick of that group, but you know, Mark Gasol was a second round pick. They built that team a much different way. And so it's natural for Memphis fans to fall back on that and see the, the Mm -hmm. alternate as like a, a a worse option. So I wonder if it's just Mm -hmm. as simple as that. We, we saw our favorite teams develop in a certain way and we're trying to recreate that again. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I would love to see evidence of, of the other side of it. I just, I don't, I don't know it of like elite players that have just suffered and become bad players because their team lost for a, a couple of years while they were trying to build a team. 
I just don't think it's real. I just think it's an excuse. I think it's an excuse for people not liking tanking. And I understand like people not liking it. There's not a lot to like about watching the Thunder right now. Yeah. And I totally get that. I totally get it. But it's it's a that's really an excuse for fans, in my opinion, and just like the, your your general enjoyment of your of your everyday life and, is what it comes down and to. And listen, if Jaron Jackson Jr. can't stay healthy, Grizzlies fans are going to change their tune when this team has been mediocre for like the next four years, like because they don't for because sure. they don't have a second star. Like that's going to change. Definitely. Like it's all great right now. And by the way, it was complete luck that they jumped up and were able to grab someone like Ja Morant who completely changed their franchise. Yep. If they don't jump up because they weren't tanking and if they just end up with the ninth pick, like mm-hmm. Memphis is down in the bottom again. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. Uh, Macbeth 11 says, do you guys think you'll ever be able to podcast in person enjoying the new slam and jam? I don't know, Alex, when are you coming back here? Um, when am I coming back to Oklahoma city? I don't know. I've actually been starting to research, uh, different countries you can move to oh thinking about escaping (laughs) all of my responsibilities (laughs) moving to another country (laughs) that sounds nice so that might make it harder who's your favorite (laughs) you're right that'll be a lot harder uh thunder 30 29 who is your favorite thunder player to watch of all time of all time i mean i've said this before but the player that i felt the closest kinship to was early James Harden. And one reason was because he's a left-hander and I'm a left-hander. And another reason is because he's a shooter. I love shooters. And those like pick and rolls with Nick Carlson off the bench. Like those are some of my favorite thunder memories. And I just, I just love James Harden and, and that uh, run to the finals and specifically that Spurs series where they're down 2-0 they come back, win four in a row. James Harden's a huge part of that. I mean, that that just that was like my one of my favorite Thunder memories. Just that entire stretch. I mean, I can remember where I was for that clinching game. We actually went to a bar, and they were getting killed in the first half, and we just left the mm-hmm. bar at halftime. We we're like, "This sucks. Let's just go home. And we'll just watch the end of it there." And then flash forward to I was like dancing around in the living room because we were going to the finals. It was just amazing memories, and it's going to be hard for another player to top that, top top those feelings. And yeah. and the other reason is because Harden leaves on a high note. Like we didn't get to see yeah. any downside of Harden. Like he went and played with another team. So all of my Thunder memories of James Harden, they're like encased in amber, uh, like like a dinosaur fossil, and they will stay there forever, and it will always be nice and beautiful. <laughs> um. I think the the person that brought me the most range of emotions was Westbrook. For high, sure, like, range. he brought the highest high. He brought the he brought the highest highs. I would say of anybody. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. So, so I'd say Russ. Like Russ was always an adventurer in one way or another, and he was mostly while he was here great. Uh, and I think people people forget. I think people are kind of stained a little bit by the last two playoffs that he was here. By really the last three. People forget how good he was. Like even in the 2016 playoffs, if they don't win that Spurs series, if he doesn't play like he did, he was really good. Uh, and then in I don't know, I think people just forget how good Russ was when Kevin was here. 
Uh, yeah, and then in terms of role players, Anthony Morrow was was my favorite. <laughs> Anthony Morrow. Yeah, Morrow was... Again, shooter. Yeah. And I loved when he would catch the ball and was like already in... The, the his shooting form like the ball like russ would throw it so that it hit him above the head yeah. he would just shoot instantly yeah that was awesome i mean dion especially downhill dion <laughs> the best the absolute no fun best. memories there no fun memories what about whenever he uh pushed minor ginobili on that out of bounds play in san antonio is that not fun it's quite fun yeah, okay, okay, that was one fun moment. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, next question. We're still going. This is long pod. Uh, from C to OKC. Where would you? Where would Dort go in the 2019 draft class, if we know everything we know today? I would 2019. say like in the 12 to 14 range, probably. Like that's where like... At 14, we have like Romeo Langford, second in Boya, Chumo Kiki, who is we know is going to miss his first season. You have Nikhil, you have Goja, you have Luka Samanich. And then like you have this like nice run of players where it's like Matisse and Brennan Clark and Grant Williams. But to me, it's probably in that range, right? Yeah, I still think, you know, Zion Ja, RJ Barrett, DeAndre Hunter, Darius Garland, that top five still going ahead of Dort. Definitely. Um, Definitely. And still, like, you're going to want to take swings on Kobe White and Rui and even Cam Reddish. Like, Cam Reddish is such a baller in high school that that still just, like, sticks with them. And even today, it makes you think, like, okay, well, maybe turn it on. You know, I don't know. Um, Cam Johnson probably goes before Dort, perhaps. But Tyler Hero. But... Probably in the 10, 10-ish range, I guess, would be where, where he'd go. Oh, Keldon Johnson. I forgot he was in that draft. Yeah, you can go Yeah, you can go further down. Like, Keldon is good. Like, I would probably rather have Dorth than Keldon, but it's probably pretty close. Um, but, yeah, that's probably about where it's at. Brandon Clark in the mix as well, who hasn't had as good a season this year, but he's still very good. Um, let's see. Knowing what you know about Poku, where would he be drafted in, in this year's class? Another similar draft question from Marcel underscore Lindsay. Let's say, let's do it as like how people think of Poku now. Yeah. Edwards. Cause he's Wiseman he's super ball. Patrick. No, Williams. no, no. He's talking about th- this year's draft, right? Like, Coming up, like what oh, if he what was he a rookie in this year's draft? Oh, I don't know. It could be either. Oh, okay. Because for la- for last year's draft, I've thought like in the top ten, right around like the seven to ten range. Yeah. Once you once you probably... hit Killian Hayes, you gotta think. Yeah. And obviously Halliburton jumps, but there's not a lot of guys that jump. Honestly, Precious maybe jumps a little bit. Terry's Maxi maybe. But this upcoming draft, because he's younger than a lot of these guys, like I legitimately could see him being like the sixth pick. I could legitimately see him, see somebody saying maybe he should go five. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> the crazy skill set he has, like the upside is just, it's really difficult to turn down. And I, I think if he 
if people had a chance to redo last year's draft, there's no way in hell Phoenix drafts Jalen Smith over him, right? Uh, I don't think there's any way in hell they draft Jalen Smith. (laughs) (laughs) Jalen Smith probably has to fall into the 20s. I did not like him. I didn't like him through the whole process. I don't know how he went so high. But, uh, I mean, you just go through it. Like the Knicks with Obi Toppin. I think no. The Wizards with Denny Avdia. Maybe they take Denny. I don't God. know. San Antonio with if Devin the Knicks, Vassell. If the Knicks could have just known that Julius Randle was going to become like an all-NBA player. Right. You take Tyrese Halliburton. Yes. Definitely don't take Obi Toppin. The Pelicans with Kyrillus Jr. The Boston Celtics with Aaron Neesmith. The Orlando Magic with Cole Anthony. You have the Detroit pick with Isaiah Stewart, which they traded for. I mean, I love beef stew, but I still think you'd want the high, the upside of Poku. Those are all guys that were taken above Poku. I still understand the Okongwu and the Okoro stuff. Like, I still understand that. Patrick Williams, I would probably rather have Patrick Williams. And then everybody else, it's like, yeah, okay. I'm not worried about it. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. His upside is just ridiculous it's just out of this world there's so many more questions i will try to hop on here and answer them if i didn't get a chance to answer them we had a really nice from high high any um just said some said that they've been following us since our daily thunder days and they're they love watching us get our own show on the athletics so like that was very nice i loved appreciated reading that uh but there's a lot on here uh i'll try to get into the the reddit chat there and answer them if we didn't answer them on here uh before we go i'm going to try to see who we've got in the chat here we've got a lot of people in the chat today we really do appreciate that we have hoopsock 69 he's saying happy belated 420 boys uh we have um Unhandicapped train in Dallas. We have Hermes in Greece. We have WKM14 in Sydney. We have Mike McGee. He's loving down to door from Melbourne, Australia. We have Stephen Clays from Belgium. We have Loke from Copenhagen. Hoopsock69 <laughs> says, known loser, Andrew Schleck. Ouch. Um, we have Falk in Denmark. We have Evan Christian listening from Diamond Sea of Uranus. I don't know what that is, but okay. Hi, J- Hi Jan from Hong Kong. We have W Rose 27 from Kentucky, the Fluky in Germany. We have Cody McChicken in Bloomington, Indiana. We have my guy Paul Chi in Jamaica. We have, let's see. Tyler Field at 6th and Robinson. We have Joel Angel checking in from the southernmost part of the world. DTD Worldwide, baby! Let's see. Lots of people talking about coaches. Avde from New Jersey. (laughs) Hoopsock69 talking about the boot barn. It's a great idea. Uh, (laughs) Ethan Franks from Arkansas. Uh, Let's see. Oh, boy. Lots of arena talk here. Somebody just (laughs) chiming in to say Siakam sucks. (laughs) Oh, wow. I would say Tampa Siakam does. Oh, man. Yeah, Tampa Siakam is no good at all. Uh, Brian in Singapore. 
We have Mega Megalasyk from Switzerland. We have Ken in Hong Kong. We have Carpet in New York. We have Nate in Omaha, Nebraska. Miroslav in Germany. We have Tyler Nevins saying thanks for answering his question. Um, let's see. Uh, Brian in Singapore. Paul Chi, loving Moses Moody. All right. I think that's it. Hope you guys have a great Wednesday. And we will talk to you guys again on Friday. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.